I remember running home from school, turning on the TV to the Cubs game, sitting with my dad to watch his heroes. Welcome to the World Series Dreaming Chicago Cubs Dreamcast. Not affiliated with the actual Chicago Cubs, but just a bunch of guys who love the local nine and enjoy talking baseball. And of course, the reigning and defending World Series champion, Chicago Cubs. Hi, I'm Andrew Catulli, and with me as always is my buddy Ken. Hey, this is Ken, a.k.a. Rescue. How are you doing, Ben? Uh, I'm doing fantastic. All right. <laughs> it's just... Life is good for the Cubs right now. Back in first place, life is good. And the season has been saved. Yeah, we're only like 21 games in out of, what is it, like 141 left? So, yes, the season is definitely saved now. Back in first place where we belong. Yeah, let's see if we stay there. Thankfully, there are 141 games left. So, you know, all this is just small sample size. Absolutely. So, we have absolutely no questions this week. Yeah, y'all lazy. Come on, guys. Give us something to do. We have no bobblehead to give out this week because nobody sent anything in. Ask us anything. Yeah. You can ask us what we had for lunch. Just send us in questions. Like right now, I'm having Indian food and naan. So, you, you can even ask me about that. The wife made it, and it's awesome. Uh, fantastic, fantastic. Yeah, because, you know, we we can do this as a regular feature now, and uh, we'd like to establish a format. And it, it could always start with questions, or we could do an all-mailbag podcast, but uh, there, there's something we could do with format. Yeah. We also need to re- start reaching out and getting some more guests on. See oh, who yeah. we can grab on to join us and talk baseball. There's a lot of very intelligent baseball fans out there who I'm sure fans would love to hear from. Absolutely. Uh, I want to try to see if I could get Jason Stark to come on because he just got fired by ESPN, which is ridiculous because he's such a good writer, but he's probably way out of our league. But that would be incredibly fun. Is, uh, you hey, ever... yeah. If we can, that would be fantastic. You ever read his articles like the strange but true things of baseball and they're it, those are just so much fun to read because with baseball, there's something new every single game. Yeah, I can't believe what ESPN did, though. And they got rid of pretty much the people from every sport that actually knew what they were talking about. And wound up wound up keeping the guys, their loudmouth blowhards, who just talk trash and are what people would call shock jocks. ESPN is completely shooting themselves in the foot to save a buck. Yeah, I don't really enjoy that. Like, uh, you know, former Cub Doug Glanville is out of a job, and if you've ever read any of his articles, they are excellent. He's uh, Ivy League educated, and, uh, you know, it kind of shows in his writing. He's very thoughtful, and it's such a loss for the company and for Mm -hmm. us, too. No, absolutely. I mean, just go down the list of people that they cut. Then you see that Stephen A. Smith, that Jamoke, still has a job. That is just the most, the biggest head scratcher of them all. 
why get rid of Jason Stark, even Jim Bowden, for God's sake, but keep Stephen A. Smith? Come on. I don't know. I guess we're kind of glad that they kept, you know, some of the familiar faces, like, you know, Carl Ravitch is still on baseball tonight. I think Buster Olney is still employed. Uh, now now that I think about it, I'm not even sure if uh, Jesse Rogers has a job. Did, did he post about this? Um, I don't know. I haven't seen him tweet recently. Yeah. We, we should probably check on that. but uh, I, I know that, that John Heyman still has a job. Yeah. And, you know, uh, the other guy, Doug Padilla, he used to uh, be on ESPN Cubs before Jesse Rogers took over, and he lost his job. So that, that kind of sucks. It looks like Jesse Rogers is still employed with ESPN. Yeah, much to the chagrin of some, but, you know, I, I, I feel like he does a fairly good job of informing us. Yes. An hour ago, he had he sent out a tweet. So it appears that he is still employed with ESPN. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously with Chicago, we don't really care because um, we, we have WGN station for now, at least until 2019. We have the ABC station. We have Comcast Sportsnet. So there's plenty of personalities to listen to, but if you're – you know, part of the cable package, uh, losing those guys on ESPN kind of is a downer and kind of dissuades us from even tuning in, you know, so. Yeah, all in effort to save money. For their sake, I hope it works, but this might be the beginning of the end for ESPN. I heard it was a ploy to try to save SportsCenter. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see in that. I don't see how cutting all these guys will do anything to help. Yeah, because they, they lost a lot of good people over the years, like Dan Patrick and Keith Overman. That Back when I was a kid, those are the anchors that I used to watch. Yeah, well, all these good writers will find a job someplace else, and hey, ESPN's loss and somebody else's gain. Yeah, because I, I figure that they'll probably be able to find jobs with MLB Network like a lot of the previous guys did, right? So You'd imagine. Yeah. Like if I had a cable package, I guess I would have MLB Network, but I, I only live vicariously through you guys, right? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Thank God the Cubs are on the radio, huh? Well, uh, I enjoy that, and I'm glad that I'm still within range, but if I ever move out of Chicagoland, I won't even have the radio. But then again, like, I'd be outside the blackout area, so I guess I could stream the games for free. Or not free, but, you know, I, I would definitely pay. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> wink, wink. Yeah. Uh, the MLB at Bat app is very cost-friendly. Yeah. Like 20 bucks for the year, can listen to any game, anywhere. As long as you're outside the blackout area. Yeah, the blackout area is kind of stupid, but, uh, you know, if MLB is trying to reach more fans, they should just eliminate all those blackout areas. And that's, if you listen to what they say, they're always trying to reach more fans, grow the fandom. Yeah. So what do you think? Like, uh, now that we've established this as a more regular feature, like after a year or so of hiatus, how should we format this? We, we obviously want, you know, actual questions from actual people. So we could always start this with a mailbag, right? 
No, absolutely. But that really depends on you guys, because I know some people are listening. Some people are downloading this. You, you guys are listening. You're just not sending in questions, and it, it, you know, it's kind of disappointing. It is. I mean, we're offering bobbleheads for the best question of the show. Mm-hmm. Maybe if I offer up Cubs tickets, maybe that'll work. Yeah. Yeah, but that. <laughs> not saying I'm offering up tickets just yet, but if we get a really good question that actually is very good, I'll consider it. Yeah. I've always got extra tickets lying around. Yeah. Well, that's uh, perks of being a season ticket holder, eh? Yep. Lots of games I can't attend that I wind up just selling off. Yeah. And since so, since, again, if you want night games, I've got a couple games in August left. I've got two games in May that I'm trying to sell. Hit us up, worldseriesdreaming at gmail.com, with your questions and ticket requests. Well, very generous of you, sir. Are, were you able to sell most of the other ones, or you, you have some that you claimed for yourself, right? Um... We usually go to all the weekend games, try to sell all the weeknight games. Uh-huh. We've sold most of the April games and May games. We've got like two or three left in May. Cubs aren't really home too much during the week in June or July. But August, they're, they're home a bunch. That sounds good. And maybe part of our format after the mailbag is just talking about the previous uh, week's Weeks games or previous like week and a half, whenever we get together to form it, because you guys can probably hear me. Um, I just got back from coaching my high school team, and you know we got our butts kicked, but we had fun, and I'm just eating right now. And you, you have your own life to attend to, so yes, planning a wedding, working two jobs, it takes up all my time, but I'll always have time to talk baseball especially with the fans of World Series Dreaming and the Chicago Cubs. Right, and so if we establish that, get the questions out, you know, talk about the previous week's games and talk about, you know, highs and lows and things that we thought were awesome, awesome plays, and then we can dive into, like, our topics of the week, like – We'll establish that next week, but, you know, that sounds like a good plan, huh? I love this plan. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. Oh, absolutely. And since we met last week, the Cubs have gone, well, more or less 500 since we... Oh, no. No, I'm looking no at they're, the they're, they're four and two, right? Yeah, they're, they were four and two, yeah. Because the, the previous week. Right, because the last they won two out of four from Cincinnati and two out of four from Pittsburgh. Oh, two two out out of three three. from both. Right, because they they won both series, and so the only series that they actually lost was a sweep to Pittsburgh. That shouldn't have happened because like weird stuff just happened that series. And sometimes, like I told the kids, you know, even the Cubs can get their butts kicked. So, and good teams lose, bad teams beat good teams. Happens all the time. But going back, I think, to last August, the Cubs have not lost a road series. That's pretty impressive. I'm excited to be a part of it. Let's do it. That's a really consistent uh, excellence if you think about it because being on the road trip, having to hang out in a hotel and not your own bed, having to go through a different routine in a city that's not yours, that stuff's hard. 
It is. And the fact that they're consistent road warriors, that's very important with baseball. You're supposed to just go 500 on the road and you'll be fine. But they're doing better than going 500. And that's always the plus to having success in baseball. Yeah, I just did a quick calculation. Right now they're at 57% winning percentage. That comes out to be about 93, 94 games uh, won over a 162-game season. Now that's not saying that they're going to stay at this pace. They might do a little better. They might do a little worse. But overall, the Cubs are still projected to make the playoffs easily. So we're not super worried. We just kind of want to see this behemoth on paper actually show it on the field. They're making a lot of uh, goofy uh, errors, uh, pitching mistakes, uh, defensive errors, and just not driving in the big hit. And sometimes with baseball, that just happens because it's just so random. Yeah, the Cubs seem to be, at times, just going through the motions because they know they're going to make the playoffs. They know they're going to win the division. So to them, the regular season is just an extension of spring training. I'm not saying they don't care, but they know how good they are. They know they can beat any team anytime they want to. As evidenced by the games that they've recently lost, they've either had the winning run on base or up at the plate to end the game. And they just couldn't get that key hit at the last moment. They almost swept the Pirates after the Pirates swept us. But a ball didn't bounce their way. They didn't get a clutch hit here or there throughout the game. The Cubs are the best team on paper and pretty much on the field if they just can pick up that one extra hit now and then. And those are going to start to fall in. I am not worried at all. The Cubs have proved again and again that they are the best team and you can never count them out. Yeah. They're always just one swing of the bat away from winning a game. Yeah, with 141 games left, it's all going to even out. So I don't think, like, even when they were at 500 briefly, or I, I felt like they were briefly under 500 even before they uh, took the series against Milwaukee and beat down the Reds, right? So mm-hmm. even then... I, didn't feel too bad because like a lot of teams are having issues like you know the Royals obviously won the World Series a couple of years ago they're having issues uh, Cleveland's been kind of scuffling like everybody in the AL Central is scuffling and a lot of those teams are actually kind of good so it, it's kind of a uh, it's kind of weird to see and then wasn't Toronto supposed to be a World Series favorite going into the season I don't know about favorite, but they were they weren't supposed to be bad. I mean, they have decent, you know, pitchings at least in the in the first half of the rotation. And I, I think the problem is that you know Jose Bautista is slumping, and uh, I, they're just not they're. It, it, it's kind of weird. It's kind of like they're having a Cubs like the 2017 Cubs like season, except it's even worse. And that's why they're like some some ridiculous record. Where are they? Like six and eleven now. Um, let's pull it up the records and check real quick. Yeah. Standings. 
Toronto is six and fifteen. Six and fifteen. Did they did they already lose their doubleheader against uh, against the Cardinals? I think so. Yeah, that's pretty sad because you know the Cardinals are surprisingly bad so far this year. Yeah, they're ten and eleven. Yeah, I, I didn't think their, I mean, their defense is probably not going to be as good good as the Cubs, but they've been making some weird errors and uh, they're just not doing as well as I thought they should be. Like uh, uh, Andy had them projected to finish second in the division, and obviously there's still plenty of time. But then you have Milwaukee and you know Eric Thames. Uh, yeah, don't even get me started on Eric Thames. He's just come out of nowhere, and he's having an amazing year. I'm not suggesting anything like some people around baseball are, but he's just come out of nowhere to have probably the best bounce-back season we've seen in a while. This guy was out in, like, no man's land, and now he's here, and he's just killing the ball, leading the league in home runs, I believe. Yeah, I think he always had decent power. But the issue is, like, you know, with Javier Baez, like, he's got plenty of power. He just has no plate discipline. And I think at some point, Eric Thames, when he got bounced out of MLB the first time and went to Korea, he figured out how to hit, uh, not for power, but just become a professional hitter. And that's what the problem is. Uh, It's like the league hasn't had a chance to adjust yet, so we'll see if he's, like, real Eric Thames or – Something like a Brian LaHare, where he just like completely crashed after the league figured him out. But uh, that hasn't happened yet. Not yet, no. But everything will bounce back to where it's supposed to be. People always said, never really judge a person on a short stint at the beginning of the year or in the middle of the year, no matter how hot or slow they get. You can always use baseball card logic. At the end of the year... They'll always be about where they're supposed to be at their end on the back of their baseball card. It's very rare that you'll see somebody that just has a monster year out of nowhere and just drop back down to mediocrity. Yeah. It'll always balance out to where it's supposed to be. That makes sense. And I, I mean, right now Milwaukee is in second place, and I'm pretty sure the Cubs match up pretty well with them. They should be able to win the season series against every team in the Central. Uh, at the same time, it's kind of nice to see a good story like that. Mm-hmm. It's always nice to see a guy just bounce back and actually make a career for himself. Right. So getting back to the Cubs, we we know that the season is safe. Like everybody is basically get, going through their sophomore slump right now, right? Because uh, Addison Russell is in his third season, Wilson Contreras in his second season, Kyle Schwarber is in basically his second season because he missed most of last season, Uh, Chris Bryan is in season three, Anthony Rizzo is like the seasoned veteran of the core group, and then you got a couple other guys. So most of these guys are playing like their second or third year, and so you're going to expect some struggles, and that's what we're seeing early on. And I think I like the fact that the Cubs are in a position where, hey, we just won the World Series, and we know our guys are good, so we're just going to let them play through their struggles. And it's a very nice luxury to have without the pressure of, like, 
an entire century of failure on your back. Yeah, it's always nice when you have that little cushion to build off of. People people can criticize him, saying, why is this guy playing if he's not hitting? Bench him till he can figure things out. The Cubs have the greatest fallback they can. They don't have to win the World Series this year. It would be nice, but they just won the World Series last season. They can coast on that and let somebody just work out their kinks. And somebody says, oh, you're not going to win the World Series if you let him play. Dude, we just won with him. So it's, I have no problem with them letting, letting them work out their kinks right now. Let them get back into their flow, get back into their normal motion. The season saves because they decided they can win the series again. People aren't panicking after that sweep like they used to. So, yeah. Just let them play it out. They'll be fine. Bryant will be back to around 300. Rizzo will be hitting what he normally does. Schwab will be bashing the ball around. Yeah. The Cubs are going to work out all their kinks. Don't worry about it. Yeah, and even after, you know, scuffling through basically the entire month of April, the Cubs are still over 500. They're still in first place. So this is basically as bad as they're going to play, and they're still good. So what does that tell us? That even when the Cubs play bad, they're still one of the best teams in baseball? Right, they still find ways to win, and like you were saying earlier, they always seem to get like the either the game-tying or game-winning run at the plate at the end. So even like most of the losses, except for that one blowout that uh, against Pittsburgh at Wrigley Field, they've been within like one or two or three runs, just about yeah. every time. Yeah, and the Cubs are never out of it. I mean. They lost by one run. They lost by two. They lost by one. Yeah. The only time they've really gotten their asses kicked was was that Sunday game they lost 6-1. to one. And even then they had chances. Yeah, were you Several chances game? throughout the game. Were... I believe I actually know. I, I actually sold that game. I think you went to the Saturday game. That's, yeah, I went uh... to the Saturday game where they gave out that trophy. Yeah, I, trophy. I thought they were going to win and then like win that stupid stuff. And then uh, it, it was just so weird, you know, like without the win, I don't think I don't think the Pirates would have won. But uh, sometimes the win just pushes baseballs out of the park and into the basket. So what, what are you going to do? Eh, suck it up and go back to the next game and do it all over again. Yeah, and that's what we like about these guys. They're just like, well, you know, we lost, whatever. Uh, there's another game, and we're going to try to do better, and we'll try to fix our mistakes. And I think most of the time, uh, except for, you know, Javi's plate discipline, which I think will take a little bit more time to figure out, they, they never you seem never to. never figure out. Hmm. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, they never seem to make the same mistake twice. So, you know, with a group of really good teachers, uh, you know, like I sound like a total homer, and I probably am, but when you observe the Cubs, even as an objective outside observer and you're not on our podcast, you know, it basically uh, brown-nosing the Cubs, you you can tell that they are very well-trained and they are so professional and they like to have fun. 
And even after they lose, you see the guys posting on Instagram and they're having fun, they're laughing because they forget about the loss after 30 minutes. And that's one of Madden's rules. Party hard for 30 minutes, pout for 30 minutes, then move on. Just get rid of it. Move on to the next game. That's one of the things that makes these this team so successful. They don't dwell or live off of a game much more than 30 minutes. And it's on the next game, business as usual. Yeah, I think uh, the Wednesday night game that uh, they lost the Pirates and they they almost had a chance to go ahead or at least tie the game in the ninth, but uh, Albert Amora hit into that double play. I think a lot of that was because of goofy defense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know you talked about Kyle Schwarber, like the Cubs will be in Boston for Friday through Sunday. So uh, they, 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 they get the, about that. They get the designated hitter. Yeah, I know designated hitter is blasphemy with most National League fans, but with the way the Cubs are set up, I wish the National League had the designated hitter. They have too much offense right now, and they need the extra bat in the lineup. I was talking with a Giants fan the other day, not you, but a different Giants fan, who said if the Cubs had the had the DH, they'd be pretty much unstoppable because of all the offensive firepower that they have. Plus all the people who can slot in in the outfield, like uh, you would have basically Ben Zobrist and left. Uh-huh. And then you can still play Javi in, at, at second, second without having to bump another outfielder because of Schwarber. And it's not to say that Schwarber is horrible, but he's definitely not as good as uh, some of the other guys on the bench. Yeah, well, pr- this weekend we're probably going to pretty much see the the lineups that we saw in the World Series against Cleveland. Schwarber leading off as the DH. And everybody slots in where they did. I love the offensive firepower that the Cubs have when they had used the DH. And maybe they'll just throw Jay in left field and have my dream outfield for right now mm. with Jay, Almora, and Hayward just all across the board. Yeah, the, that would be a fantastic defensive outfield. It'd be like a vacuum cleaner because with the infield the way it is, they're already pretty elite and. If, uh-huh. you know, you have the outfield basically covered because, you know, Almora and and Hayward are basically gold glovers, right? And mm-hmm. Jay is very capable at all three spots. But if you have the weakest of your outfielders in left field and he's already pretty good, no, none of, no baseballs are going to fall onto the ground, basically. Nope. And... <laughs> There'll be, like, no shallow fly balls in the outfield either. With Russell and Baez going out there, they can cover a lot of ground, too. Yeah, this, the range is ridiculous. Like, there's probably, like, a Bermuda Triangle of space in the outfield uh, that a ball that, you know, hangs in the air for five seconds will drop on. That That's how good they are because they get good jumps, they get good reads, and they just swallow up all the baseballs and convert them into outs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so the Cubs are in Boston. It's basically Team Theo versus Team Theo. 
he pretty much built both these teams. Yeah, a lot of uh, Theo Epstein's draft picks or, you know, he's not solely responsible, but he's got to be primarily responsible as the general manager back then. Like, uh, you're looking at, say, Mookie Betts, Jackie Bradley Jr., Xander Bogertz, uh, all those guys were essentially uh, Theo acquisitions, or at least administrated by uh, a Theo-led front office. And outside of Javier Baez and Wilson Contreras, everybody in the Cubs right now was either traded for by Theo or drafted by Theo. Gotta, or signed in free agency. Yeah, I Those are the ch- only two non-Theo guys on this roster. Yeah. I got to check real quick, but uh, I, I almost feel like the guys that they traded to get Chris Sale from the White Sox were also Theo guys. I got to check that real quick. Theo knows a thing or two about baseball, and he's proven it in both cities. He's killed the two longest droughts in baseball, and... If he ever decides to leave the Cubs, which I hope he doesn't, he'll probably wind up going to Cleveland to help them break their drought. Right. So I'm looking at Chris Sale's transactions. What the hell? Okay, there it is. Uh, I'm sorry, I had a pop-up. That that was so weird. Anyway, let's go to transactions. And we'll check real quick, because that was one of the big blockbuster trades. Luis Alexander Basabe, Victor Diaz, Michael Kopech, and Yoan Moncada. So when was Moncada signed? I think that was a Ben Charrington signing. Might have been. He's uh, doing pretty well. So, yeah, it was signed in 2015, so that was a Ben Charrington. Uh, Luis Alexander Basabe. I don't even know if I'm saying that right. Let's find out. Okay. He was signed when? Let's find out. He's a Venezuelan. He's only like 20 years old, so it can't have been too long ago. We might have been wrong about that. But uh, the system is so deep. That, like before Theo left Boston, that you can almost assume that anybody that they traded to get anybody good is probably a Theo acquisition. So I'm, I'm pretty sure the Cubs are in good hands. Let's look up Victor Diaz. Victor Diaz is 22. He's Dominican. So usually those guys... Those guys get signed uh, pretty young. So that could have been a Theo signing. I'm not seeing it on baseball reference, though. Michael Kopech is a pitcher. He's right-handed. He was drafted in the first round of the 2014 draft. So that was another Ben Charrington. So if you consider that Charrington worked directly under Theo, then I guess we can stretch and say that Theo was mostly responsible. And that's about it. Let's see. Yeah, I, I feel like with a uh, with the Green Monster, you definitely can't put uh, Kyle Schwarber out there because. I, no. I'm pretty sure, except for maybe 
maybe when he was younger and he was a prospect, he played maybe may, might have played in the Cape Cod League. Uh, he was at Fenway, but other than that, I I don't think he's ever played outfield at Fenway Park. And you need someone more experienced, or at least you know a better defender to play off that Green Monster. Yeah. And- the green monster makes me have second thoughts, but even having Zobrist out there, I want like an actual outfielder out there. Zobrist is good, but I want somebody that plays outfield for a living. Came up as an outfielder and everything, but I want John Jay out there in left field. No, dis- no disrespect to the Zobrist, but yeah, we need a good defensive left fielder. Yeah. Um, Let's check who who's actually starting in Boston real quick. And we, we can think about this, but if most of the guys are ground ball pitchers, I don't think it matters who's in the outfield, to tell you the truth. Or at least, like, let's say 40% of the time it should not matter. I want to say Hendricks is pitching Sunday. I think Arietta's pitching... And I think Anderson. But I'm not entirely sure. So I'm looking up the probable pitchers right now. And uh, we have a rotation of Jake Arrieta on Friday. So that's tomorrow uh, in our real time. We have Lackey on Saturday. And then Hendricks on Sunday. Hendricks on Sunday. So they did flip-flops to make sure Hendricks got the better team and Brett Anderson gets the Phillies. (laughs) I can't quite figure out Anderson. He's having some good starts, but I've done he'll throw up a clunker. Well, he's he's a guy who doesn't strike a lot of people out, and he relies on pitching to contact, so... You, you basically take – it's a give and take with that, right? Because if you're pitching to contact, you're at the mercy of physics and the elements. Yeah. You're at the mercy of Babbitt. Right. So, you know, some most of the time, knowing our infield, the balls will find, find their way into, like, you know, Chris Bryant's glove or Addison Russell's glove or Javi's glove. And, you know, uh, obviously Anthony Rizzo is pretty good with the hands, even though he has like three errors already, which is kind of uh, unexpected because he's usually so sure-handed. So it kind of makes you think that they're, they're maybe a little too lackadaisical. But at the same time, you know, sometimes the baseball just hops weird. So we can't really blame them too much on that. But uh, with Brett Anderson, like, he just doesn't miss bets. But he keeps the ball down enough that they're just going to pound it in the ground and kill a lot of worms. Yeah. The Cubs' defense is on their their game. He would have a better outing than more often than not. His last outing, he gave up one run. He knocked in one run. It worked out for him. Right. Did he give up three? I think he gave up three. Yeah, he had a bare minimum quality start. And I don't know how much you care about the quote-unquote quality, but 
I'm pretty sure he walked like six guys. And yeah. That, that was extremely annoying. Like, you know, I tell high school kids, like, you know, at the, and it makes you uh, kind of appreciate how good these players are because, you know, they don't give up a lot of walks. They don't, they convert most of the routine plays into outs. And then you look at these kids I coach, like, they try very hard, but they're making, like, some mistakes. Like, a lot of them are mental. And it makes you appreciate how good the professional baseball players are. Mm-hmm. So, so that you you see, oh yeah, it's going right for Russell. Sure, it's going to be an out like ninety nine percent of the time. Yeah, I'm not really worried about the defense. Outside of maybe Schwarber in left field, he's not the the best left left fielder out there, but. You usually stick your worst defender out in left field, and his bat will normally make up for more than what he his glove costs. So, yeah. so I'm not I, too concerned. Mm-hmm. Well, in in Boston, he'll he should be the DH unless something really wacky happens and he has to be like the emergency catcher and they lose the DH. But I, I feel like they cut their losses. They try to save his knees. They give him a little rest. They give him some time to reset and watch video while, you know, he's not playing defense or while he's uh, waiting for a spot in the lineup to try to get himself out of that little mini-funk. Like, he's still seeing tons of pitches per plate appearance, but he's oh, just yeah. not. He's doing, the, he's doing a great job of a leadoff hitter. He's seeing pitches, and that's what you want your leadoff hitter to do. Yeah, he, he's popping a lot of balls up, though, so he's, like, just a slight bit off. And yeah. His yeah. will come through, and those pop-ups will wind up going over the fence sooner or later. Yep. There's a pop-up right over into the bleachers. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, Mr. Madden, I know you listen. Put him at DH this weekend. Thanks. Yeah, and then uh, since the commissioner is also listening, just convince all the National League owners to approve the DH. You'll have a lot more money in your pockets. Yeah, I people want to see people want to see offense. That's sh- where it is nowadays. I showed you that rule, right? It, it, it's actually in the DX rule. Like any league can choose to adopt the DX rule, so it's just a matter of them approving it. And since like pitchers don't even try to hit in the minor leagues anymore, even if they're part of a national league club, why why bother? You know, why bother with the pretense? Just uh. Yeah, I've, been, I've been saying for years that they're slowly trying to manipulate the minds of the National League fans into accepting the DH. I mean, they use the DH in all the minor leagues now. They have the DH in the All-Star game, no matter what park it's in. It's They're slowly trying to creep it in to make it more normal-sized. I wouldn't be surprised if in the World Series at some point... You have the automatic DH, no matter which league you're in. And that's that's got to be coming soon. They're trying to make it more normal, the DH. And eventually fans will forget that the pitcher ever hit in a generation or so. 
like I wouldn't mind if they like actually practiced their hitting or were actually good at it. Like the even the best hitting pitchers like Arietta and Madison Bumgarner, they hit like crap compared to position players. And yeah, those are some of the best hitting pitchers we've I've ever seen. And that's with Carlos Imbrano being on the Cubs for several years. But any day of the week, I would much rather have a much have an actual hitter up at the plate with men in scoring position than a pitcher. I don't care how good the hitter of a hitter the pitcher is. Give me a Schwarber at DH hitting instead of the pitcher. Give me even give me John Jay or Javier Baez instead of the pitcher. Those guys have more power potential. Right. And uh, it's not just the power, it's the fact that they ha- know they have a good approach to the play. And whereas pitchers, y- y- you think they'd be able to recognize what the ball and what's a strike because they do the throwing, but that uh, doesn't translate that way. The, you know, the brain doesn't really work that way, and the muscle memory no. isn't the same either. And it's, it's weird because growing up when you play Little League, the pitcher is usually also the best hitter. And at some point, somewhere, it just completely falls off. That's one of the most amazing and amusing aspects of baseball. The best athlete, the best hitter, is usually the best pitcher. Somewhere it just changes. Yeah, and that kind of makes me think about Shohei Otani, who is the Japanese star that probably gets posted soon he's currently i think on their dl in the uh in the npb in japan because uh, i i don't know every time he go, gets on a roll it seems like he gets injured again but yeah. uh he's good at both pitching and hitting and so when he's not pitching he's the dh and I guess you can't really play a guy like that, especially if you want to protect his arm in the outfield or anything. But I, I bet he could do it. So they're, they're trying to do that with a bunch of other guys, like make a different kind of utility player. Like uh, the Padres, I believe, are trying to turn Christian Betancourt into a pitcher slash outfielder slash catcher. And you can see a lot of utility in that. If they are able to do all those things super well, like that, that'll help the the manager with some versatility, and I bet uh, Joe Madden would love something like that. Yeah, there was um, I want to say it was John Heyman was tweeting out about somebody the other day. Uh, actually, it was Baseball America. There's um, this might actually be the yeah the Japanese guy. Just watching a clip right now. He throws a hundred. He hits bombs. This guy's just an amazing hitter. I'm tweeting. I'm retweeting the one tweet right now. If you want to read it, yeah, just check it out. He's just knocking the ball out of the park. Which one is this? It's Shohei Otani. Yeah, that's that's the guy I was talking about. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, he he's on the DL, man. So like he, I don't think he's able to play for a couple. A couple more weeks at the very least because he he has like hammy problems or something and that sucks yeah. hopefully when he comes over to the states he's able to keep it up and hopefully the cubs that are, would be yeah. amazing hopefully for any any team 
Hopefully the Cubs are out of their like international spending penalty by then too, because uh, you know some team is going to throw the bank at them, and the Cubs unfortunately can't do that with the new CBA. Yeah, baseball's always trying to find a way to screw the Cubs. Well, baseball's always trying to find a way to screw amateur players. That's that's why like uh, they they're trying to institute you know international spending limits and. You know, penalties up the wazoo for those, and just it, it, it's so weird. Like these kids are talented, and you're kind of uh, artificially suppressing their earning potential early on, and it doesn't seem fair, does it? Nope. Because how much does the average minor league minor league player make? What, like twenty thousand, I think. I think it's way less than that. I think they make way less than minimum wage because we're talking about, for most of them, it's less than $2,000 a month. Yeah. You can't even even live off that. No, so it's kind of weird too because now not only can you not live, but because of your job, which is to become a professional baseball player, you can't have time out of that job in order to, you know, make bank as a substitute teacher or, you know, work in the, as a mechanic or something. You have to be at the ballpark, and they don't pay you overtime for that. Nope, and even in the off season, you've still got to dedicate yourself to your craft. Play in the Dominican League, play in the Arizona Fall League. Yeah, and that's even if you get invited. Like, if you don't, then you're kind of out of luck, and now you got to work as a grocer or, you know, a bagger in the supermarket because, uh, unfortunately, a lot of these guys, like, baseball is their life, livelihood, right? And so they don't actually have the skills <laughs> to do much else. Yeah. They got to do something to take care of the minor leaguers. And it's just sad. Yeah. And, uh, well, we, we know that the Cubs are going to make a ton of money coming forward because, you know, with the new tourist trap that's the Wrigley Plaza, I, I get to hang out there this Saturday for the race to Wrigley. So that that's going to be fun. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's beautiful out there. I've actually got the chance that I can spend time in it, in the park at Wrigley. They play the games on the video boards inside the park at Wrigley, which you need a ticket to get into. But they don't scan your ticket. You just need to show that you have the ticket. Oh, that's great. I'm going to take a old ticket stub every time I go up there then. <laughs> I think it has to be for that day's game, though. Oh, they actually look at it? Mm-hmm. Oh well, that's see. Not here's fun. here's the fun part. Something that I learned talking with some other Cubs fans. If you sell tickets to somebody, and you give them like the mobile ticket from the scan to get into the park, but you have your hard ticket, you can still get into the park at Wrigley, hang out in the atmosphere, watch the watch the game on the video board on the outside. You just can't get use uh use it to get into the actual stadium. But you can use it to get into the park at Wrigley, enjoy the atmosphere there, enjoy all the bear gardens and everything else. That's one way the Cubs might be able to get a, a, around the cities. You have to have a ticket to get in the, into the park. It works. 
Well, I'll have to keep an eye on that because uh, I, I don't think I currently have any sales-type prospects, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep an eye on that. That's, that's kind of cool to know. But there's no game this Saturday there in Boston, so I'll... I'll Boston! Like, after the race, I figure I just walk over and see if they'll let me take a picture with the trophy. If not, you know... No, I think that I think that area is always open, with or without a game. Oh, is it the store? Yeah, I want to say the store is always open. It's outside the park at Ricky. And if you go into the Jolson's jewelry stool, jewelry store, which is right next to it, you can see the ring. You can try on the ring, get your picture taken with it. But stay at the counter, or they will chase you down. Uh, did they did they have to beat you with a nightstick or something? On them, but they want you actually right, pretty much standing on top of the counter. Mm-hmm. If if you, they're going to give you that ten thousand dollar ring. Oh yeah, I know, right? Uh, whose ring did you end up trying on? Uh, the name on it was Ricketts. <laughs> yeah, but they have uh, the rings for Santo and Banks inside a case, inside the jewelry store outside the park. So it'll probably be there year round. Keep it there forever until they win it again. Okay. Yeah, so if you ever wanted to wear ten thousand dollars on your on your finger, go to the Jolson store right there, right outside the park. Yeah, well, that's that rings a little too unwieldy for me, but uh, I, I wouldn't mind taking out just a random picture. That might be a lot of fun. Oh, I is. definitely want a, a trophy shot, though. I haven't gotten a chance to do that yet. And maybe... just, just go there. The trophy, I think, is usually there for yeah. the most part during games anyway. And when the Cubs aren't home, it might be traveling around to other parks for other people to see. But well, that the trophy will be there more yeah. often than not. Because now, now I don't know if I'll be able to see it. Since uh, they're in Boston, but the oh, that's right, that's right. The Tuesday they, they after, they said they were taking the trophy to Boston with them. Are they? And if you wanted to, you could get your picture taken with both the the Cubs and the Red Sox World Series trophy. Oh man! But when when they come back, hopefully uh, they'll bring it back with them because on on Tuesday night. Uh, uh, we're going to the game because a teacher friend of ours uh, got got me a free ticket. And so, well, it's not free. I actually had to pay for it, but it's deeply discounted. And we're going to get, like, a teacher's appreciation day shot glass or something. That might be fun. Good. Yeah. Teachers deserve more benefits like that. You guys work your asses off. You don't get the credit or the pay you deserve. No, yeah. just like baseball minor leaguers. Yeah, but you guys add more, add more to society yeah. than they do. I, I'd say they just that entertain our, us. I'd say that bar job is probably a little harder on the mental level, but uh, physically I couldn't do what most minor leaguers can. And mentally they probably couldn't do what you do, outside yeah. of maybe Kyle Hendricks. I, I will say, however, that I feel like I could uh, run circles around a lot of these kids on the baseball field, even though I am an old. <laughs> Yeah. I've always wanted to try to manage a baseball team. Maybe when I have a son, I'll be his coach for Little yeah. League. 
Oh, yeah. You just need to tell him to run through first base, you know, uh, figure out who the cutoff men are, and just make sure that you always keep the ball in front of you. And I think that's that's pretty much the the three cardinal things teach every Mm -hmm. kid. Respect 90. Respect Keep the ball 90. in front of you. Absolutely. And, yeah. Yeah. You got to make sure of that because uh, that's just like repeated mistakes over and over again. And then at some point you get a good enough coach, it just beats it out of you. Right. So uh, this will drop. On the weekend series day, uh, we will make sure to thank Rich Deanna for giving us that awesome song that we use as our intro and exit music. Thank you, Rich. Yeah, we should probably have him on Monday if he has time. Well, he's on the West Coast, so uh, it'll probably be at a decent hour for him. We should ask <laughs> him, though. That's, that's a good idea. And uh, when school lets out, I'll probably have more time, and then we can do more guest shots. And we'll talk to Andy again about minor leaguers. Minor league season should be more underway. Speaking of minor leaguers, I want to try to see if we can get Tommy Birch on. The Iowa Cubs, fantastic beat beat writer. Not sure if he actually works for the Cubs, Iowa Cubs, but he covers them. He works in Des Moines, and that's where the Iowa Cubs are. So he does a lot of uh, Iowa sports, like Iowa State is in Des Moines. So he does a lot of Iowa State mm-hmm. sports. Mm-hmm. And uh, he says he never turns down an, an interview. So if I'm sure if you're asking, he'll be more than happy. That might be fun. Yeah, we could talk to him about his first-hand experiences with guys like Jamer and Ian Hep. Yeah, fantastic. We should try to set that up. Yeah. I'll drop him a line, see what he says. Yeah, and we we had uh, John Arguello from Cubs Den on a couple of times. We we've had a few other guys on with us, so you know it, it's maybe not... try to get Brett on. Hmm? Well, he has his own podcast and he's big time, so uh, well, he can see. come over to us. Yeah, yeah. That, there's a lot of guys that I, I'm thinking about. I just have to t- get Danny the Rocket. He's he's always a good a good guy to talk to. Oh yeah, he does, another guy uh, that has his own podcast. He did the John Baker Day, right? Yeah, another yeah, good that, guy to talk to. Well, well, uh, both John Baker and I did go to Cal, so maybe maybe if I shoot him an email, he'll he'll figure. Eh, I mean, the worst you can say is no, right? Uh, ask anybody. <laughs> ask a thousand people. If you get one yes, it's fantastic. Yep. Well, we got to make sure we can schedule them. That's for sure. So, again, thanks to Rich for the song. Thanks to, you know, you guys for actually listening to this, making this a little worthwhile. Please send us questions for next time. We'd love to talk to you, answer whatever question you have. And it'll help entertain us and entertain you. But thanks for listening. I am Anno Catulli. And where can we find you, sir? You can find me on Twitter at WSDreaming underscore Cubs, the official Twitter of the World Series Dreaming team. Yep. You can find our blog at WorldSeriesDreaming.com. I am Ken, also known as RiceCube. You can find me at Cubic Snarconia. All those will be at the show notes. And we're going to bring us out because it's way past our bedtime.
Yep. I'm getting ready to head to bed. Hashtag old. <laughs> yeah, old men. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> Bye. It was more than just a game.